This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. The province has begun demolition of heritage buildings in the city's West Donlands area. The Dominion Wheel and Foundries Company site on Eastern Avenue is being taken down despite huge objections from the community. And the city, which has not been consulted in the process because the properties are on provincial land, so a permit was not required. The province says the site is contaminated and it's being... Uh, it's being taken down to make way for affordable housing. Residents groups say it's important to the community. City Councillor Kristen Wongtam is calling the move an act of vandalism. She joins me now along with Anne Summers Dosena, founder of the International Resource Center for Performing Arts and a board member of the Corktown Residents and Business Association. Thank you for joining us. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, um, why is this uh, foundry so important to the community? Let's start with uh, Ms. Dosena. Uh, well, of course, there is the heritage uh, of the history of the railroad, special steel that was used in the foundry to make the rail, uh, railroad uh, rails. And uh, which has been acknowledged by the Smithsonian Institute, in fact. And we felt that because the IRCPA, which is, I know, a bunch of letters, but it it means the International Resource Center for Performing Artists, we have our mandate uh, to preserve the heritage of Canadian artists. We are extremely well-known internationally for our singers. And because they have such a short span for their career, they need help as soon as they get out of school. And uh, we provide resources for them. We're behind the scenes as part of the support system of the music industry. You don't really see what we do. We work directly with the right, artists. Right, but how does, how, how does this particular building play into that? Well, it's really conducive to having two performing venues. We would have the upper floors for the musicians with rehearsal space, practice, studies, and as well as recording studio and multimedia, which is is needed for Toronto. Okay, uh, let's now, bring in... This is not available here. We've lost venues. We have no space. People say to me, you know, you get up in the morning, you have your coffee, and you go to work. Well, we don't have any place to go to work. Okay, let's bring in Councillor Kristen Wongtam from Ward 13. So this was done by something called a ministerial zoning order. Um, I guess uh, you can't really fight that. 
No, we do have uh, very limited powers as a city when it comes to MZOs, as they're also called in abbreviated form. And uh, and those MZOs, the Ministerial Zoning Orders, were, were released uh, in October 2020, uh, which really upzoned all those lands. And, uh, and in the language of the MZO, uh, it allows the province to essentially build three tall buildings on that site. But Interestingly enough, the MZO was also entirely silent on the provision and guarantee of affordable housing, which is exactly what the province says uh, in their press statements and in the press conferences. The minister, as well as uh, the premier, has said this is uh, happening, the bulldozing of these local uh, heritage assets, uh, which are culturally significant to, to Canada as well. And I'll get into that. Um, but uh, but that's what's happening. And of course, Anne and her, her organization has been on the forefront of trying to repurpose uh, these properties, which are four heritage properties uh, in the West Onlands, and it's a master plan precinct area, 80 acres in total. But this represents the largest concentration of industrial heritage properties in that area. So everybody in this neighborhood has been working for, for decades now, years, to try to unlock the potential of these buildings. And the, the provincial government has owned them for 40 years, and they haven't done anything with them. So it's not that there hasn't been a vision, an, an aspiring vision from the community to actually repurpose these buildings for a community cultural center, as, as Anne is talking about, but also to build affordable housing, to make sure that we have vibrant mixed-use development. And, and, and all of that is entirely possible because we have excellent examples where you have successful let, let me, integration let, of heritage. Let, let me just well ask a question. So... According to a statement from the Minister of Municipal Affairs, uh, that this is being done to construct nearly a thousand affordable housing units and 17,000 square feet of new community space. And they're saying that remediating the property, which is contaminated, would just be too complicated. How do you answer? Uh, I would say two things. First of all, the MZO actually says nothing about uh, affordable housing. So if they can fit a thousand units of affordable housing onto this one particular parcel, uh, that's wonderful. Show us the development plans. But interestingly enough, they don't even have a development proposal. Nothing has been submitted to the city. Nothing has been offered to, to the community. Under their own provincial statutes, they must engage with the community before the demolition or alteration of any heritage asset. And in this case, they have not done so. They've actually ignored the community, even though the community has been begging for years to, to be involved with the planning process. Um, and so I would I would say that, you know, it's it's great that they're responding to the protest now that's been organized by, by the local community and 15,000 people have now signed the petition to save the foundry buildings. But it's also very reactive because we could have done this in a very different way, very collaborative way. And just down the street, across the street, we have the Distillery District, which is an incredible collection of industrial heritage buildings that that now also is a vibrant mixed-use community. And that was done with the private sector and the city. And so the province can see that as a successful example, but they've chosen to ignore it. Do you think that they're working with the developers or anything like that behind the scenes there? I mean, why, why do you think there's such a rush on this? 
Uh, I'll take a stab at this question and, and, and invite Anne if she wants to speak. Um, but I would say yes, this, prov- this pro- premier and this government has actually shown us on multiple occasions that they're, they, they're willing to bend over backwards to offer the development industry whatever they want. And the, and the, demo- the demolition crew that's actually on site were given very clear orders to raise the land, like basically clear it, clean slate by, by March. Uh, and, uh, and what's the rush? I have noted there's no development application. There's no developer even proposed. Uh, the city of Toronto has now formally asked for this information, including a formal request to stop the demolition and come to the table. Uh, that has not been provided. We all want to know what is the province hiding? Uh, and may so, I, may so, I say something? Uh, sure. I was about to ask you a question, if I may. Okay, go ahead. So uh, why is it important to you to have your facility in this particular space as opposed to what Some the province place? is, is yeah. promising, which is uh, 17,000 square feet of, of community space? Right. First of all, we could go someplace else, but uh, Corktown is exactly where it's needed. First of all, it could just be another concrete jungle um, having nothing but condo buildings with no amenities. And our project includes a residential um, affordable housing for musicians, as well as the building in which uh, everyone would be able to work. And the community of 25,000 people would have a place to meet together and be inclusive. Right now we're diverse, but we are not inclusive. We lost our meeting place years ago and doubled the population, and we have no place to meet. That, I think, is really uh, important. There's no daycare. The school will be coming into the area soon. But um, also it's a well-established fact that uh, regenerating buildings is a lot less expensive than starting from scratch. And we were able to find professionals in the community who've popped up and made background studies with an urban planner. We have an architect working with us. People have come out of uh, retirement uh, to help the project. And uh, the steering committee has been meeting every Monday afternoon just on a grassroots basis, but we would like to finish this feasibility study, and we would like to meet with Mr. Ford so that we can explain to him, because I don't know what's getting to him, or I've tried every which way I know. They told me it takes 15 days to get him to see a letter, and um, we've had no response whatsoever, even from our letters in October when the first thing, when this thing first came out. Kristen Wong-Tam, what do you say to the argument that it, the site is just too contaminated? Well, you, you need to show us the receipts. An environmental assessment is, it needs to be done, and they need to be able to provide this information to the city. These properties, there are four properties that are listed, have been listed on the Heritage Registry uh, since 2004. And we are, we are simply asking the province to follow their own provincial guidelines. They updated these guidelines uh, only recently, and, and now very quickly they're breaching it. And what they need to provide the city is a whole host of things. And, the, and this is the same type of documentation that we would request of any developer coming to the city with a pro- proposal. So we would ask them for a heritage impact assessment, which they have not provided. Uh, we, have, we, we will ask them for a strategic conservation plan, which means how do you plan to incorporate 
translate these buildings into your new development, which they have not provided. And we would also ask them to work with us to engage the community so they understand what your plans are, so we can explain to them what is the vision and how can we do it together. None of that has been done. So the fact that the province has claimed that they've done an environmental assessment and and you don't need to look at it, just trust us because daddy knows best, um, is the wrong approach. We have the largest planning department in the country. We have the most sophisticated architects and urban designers working with us. We have an entire heritage department that is like in, that is seized with this with this issue. And everybody is determined to save these buildings from the chief building uh, official to the, our chief planner to our, our chief litigator, uh, litigators to our, our city legal. Um, and the mayor has released a statement asking the province to reconsider their approach. There's no one here that, that doesn't support affordable housing and, and, the, and the, the rapid build of affordable housing. But the province's approach is just entirely wrong. We are talking about the province's move to demolish the foundry site in the West Donlands through a ministerial zoning order, actually three of them without consulting the city and uh, basically ignoring requests from the community and from municipal politicians to stop the process and to consult. Uh, the community wants this heritage site incorporated into any kind of new development. The province is saying that it's being taken down to construct affordable housing and community space and that it is too contaminated to remediate. The city hasn't seen any evidence of this. And Kristen Wong, Tim, uh, let me ask you, uh, can they go ahead and build anything without the city's input? We know that they can take this down. Um, we do have some limited powers, um, and those limited powers are we're going to still need to see a, a, a development application. We're still going to want to know who is the developer, uh, how is the building process going to take place, what does the construction impact and transportation impact look like. There still needs to be an active review, because what the province has not provided, besides the fact that three tall buildings will come crashing down on the site, the province has given us no idea of how many units are, are there? Are they three bedrooms, family size units? How many parking spaces? Where does the loading bays and the, and the driveways go? There's architecturally nothing before us. So we will still need to work with them, and, and we want to work with them, but we certainly wouldn't have, we certainly wanted it to, to um, uh, this process to begin in, in a more collaborative uh, fashion. You mentioned the distillery district, which is uh, more of a commercial area, but uh, would you say there are parallels in terms of, again, remediation of the site or anything like that? Absolutely. Um, I, I, would, I would argue that there's actually lots of parallels, simply because much of the uh, old part of the city of Toronto, where we're close to the water's edge, it was all, to be quite honest, um, contaminated. Uh, this was where the, the industrial hub of the city was, whether it was the manufacturing of, of building material or, or perhaps other contaminants, it's all here. Every single time we have to consider uh, how do we ensure that the soil is clean so we can actually build new residential density on top of it, but also to factor in the architectural history that sits under the foundational pieces of Toronto. We have to be able to do that work. So I don't think that we have no examples of, of the city uh, being able to manage, um, you know, architectural uh, history uh, as well as the archaeological work that needs to be done. And we can still build on top of it. Much of the city of Toronto is built on an old industrial port. 
So, so the fact that the province, you know, in the 21st century is saying it's too expensive, it can't be done, uh, I would say that it has to be done. We have to, as government, lead the way on these very important civic-minded conversations. And if the province doesn't care about their own heritage or planning policies, then why should any other developer or any other municipality care? Okay. Uh, May I mention something here? Sure. We were uh, given the courtesy of Guterman Wirtz uh, and their builders and developers. We spent, uh, we being people uh, living in Corktown, I've been here 40 years, and we were given the opportunity of meeting every Saturday morning for several months about what we would like to see there. And we ended up with a feeling of ownership of this area. Now, as far as the contamination is concerned, that's not a secret. When I moved here, we were all aware that this soil was contaminated. And we've asked some of the builders um, of DREAM, what did they do to clean the soil? Uh, Because we knew that we would have to do that in terms of our project. And we also know that we would have to soundproof the performance uh, rooms. So this is not a secret. We've all known that that the soil has is toxic. Okay. It's not something new. Okay, that is all the time we have. Thank you so much and Summers Dosena and Councillor Kristen Wong-Tam. Thanks for having us. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. Uh and that is all the time we have for today. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.